0: And now here are your hosts, Katie Beth and Stan.
1: Hello, welcome to the Legacy Leaders Podcast. I'm your guest host, Attorney Adam Diamond with Diamond Legal in Northern Illinois. Diamond Legal is your family's law firm, helping with divorce, wills, trusts, and real estate closing. Today, I'm really excited. We have a guest, real estate expert Don Bremer with the Bremer Team with Keller Williams Success. Did I get it right? You did. All right. We only had to practice it 100 times. So Dawn, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks um, for having me. So if you don't mind, we'll get right into it a little bit. Why did you choose real estate as your career?
0: Actually, I chose it because my ex-husband at the time did real estate. Um, I was a stay-at-home mom, and I didn't really have any other kind of career to fall back on. And I did a lot of his real estate stuff behind the scenes and I loved it. I loved everything about it. And then when we got a divorce, I thought, well, I can do this. So I went and got my real estate license and that was how I figured out I could support my kids independently.
1: That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. So you went from helping to doing it and doing it full time. And now now you have a team, don't you?
0: Yes, we do have a team. We have nine agents on our team. I am a listing specialist. That's what I do. I don't take buyers. Um, But so I have buyer's agents that love to do that. And they list as well. But um, I only do listings. I don't consider myself to be a uh, buyer's agent that loves it. It's not something that I like to do. So I believe you can find your path in your career and do something that you like and find other people who like to do the stuff you don't like to do.
1: That's awesome. And That's a huge value add for clients because if you're just focused on listing and making sure someone's house gets sold, you're not distracted by showing one person 800 houses, but you have someone that's really excited to do that on your team.
0: Right. And it helps me to focus directly on just their listing. And I don't have to worry about that dual agency, even though it's considered dual agency because my agents are on my team. I personally don't do dual agency. I won't represent both the buyer and seller. I will have somebody else on my team represent the buyer. So it does keep that uh, muddled space available to not be included in my team. Whereas a single agent, you have to represent both the buyers and the sellers or find somebody to do that.
1: And that probably gets really confusing for the client.
0: It does. But I mean, like we just came from a listing appointment and that's exactly what I stated to her is, you know, I'm only here to focus on your listing. You don't have to worry about me going to take care of the buyers. I only am focusing and selling your home.
1: That's really an awesome philosophy. It really is. So you told me a little bit about your story of how you ended up in real estate. Was there anyone that really influenced your journey into real estate or through real estate? Um, Actually,
0: yeah. When my ex-husband was with uh, his real estate company, he was with Remax Mm -hmm. and there was a great lady. uh, I don't even know if she still does real estate, but her name was Joan Daly. And she was older agent who just, I will never forget why I liked her is the first thing she said to my ex-husband was nobody buys real estate from an agent with facial hair. So shave your face. (laughs) And he had a goatee that I hated. And so he (laughs) shaved it. And I thought, wow, if she has the ability to get him to shave that ugly thing off his face, then she must be really smart. And so (laughs) she just took a liking to me and she kind of told me what to do and what not to do and what to focus on. And the best advice she ever gave me was, is when you can understand how to properly price a house, then you can sell a house. But when agents don't properly price houses, they're doomed from the beginning. And so she taught me the correct way to price a house. And that was really a great gift. And now I teach classes on how to properly price houses.
1: Well, and that's that's really important because I think a lot of people overlook that in real estate. They think Mm -hmm. that, you know, you, you just get a realtor and they just magically list the house at the right price. Can you tell me a little bit more about the art of pricing?
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's super important to price the house. And what I can tell you is, you know, realtors have all of these abilities to have uh remind and a uh, real track and all of these places that they feed their information from the MLS, the multiple listing service. But honestly, the pricing really has to start at the tax assessor's office. So the tax assessor has the actual either property index card that they got when the house was built, when an addition was put on. You know, you have to go through the permits so they get the square footage. So it's the best and only venue that you should get to get a accurate pricing. That is when you have that, then you can base that on a proper pricing. The problem comes in where people use the misappropriated pricing in the MLS, and maybe they say that the house is twenty-two hundred square foot, but it's really seventeen hundred and eighty-six square feet below, and an additional six hundred square feet, you know, for a split level. It doesn't give you the proper value on pricing a house, so people could be overpricing or underpricing houses. So making sure you understand exactly what the accurate square footage is, is really the key to pricing homes.
1: Yeah. And and knowing what the government thinks you have or says you have. Correct. Correct. Versus just taking, just cloning old information from a prior listing or something.
0: Yes. And that's really the first thing that I teach is don't clone until you have verified square footage. And then make sure you always put your, if you're going to clone a listing and you're not doing your own Uh, room measurements, and you're not taking any of that into consideration, then you need to put down in your uh, broker comments that, you know, it is up to the buyer's agent to verify any and all information on the listing. Otherwise, you're giving false information. And ideally, you are saying that you're the expert on this house, you should be the expert on that house.
1: So actually providing the expertise that people probably assume you have,
0: right and not just taking the lazy way out and cloning it
1: so what do you what do you enjoy most about the real estate business
0: what i would think you enjoy well my number one thing that i would say i like to enjoy is to get a house ready for sale and taking what they have i don't believe in bringing in staged furniture i don't a lot of agents do for me? I still want the seller to be comfortable in their home, right? That's their stuff, and so if we can move their stuff around to stage it appropriately, utilizing their own stuff, so they still have that comfortability of it, not having to worry about messing up, uh, you know, a fake property, you know, a fake uh, furniture that they use or whatnot. So staging the house, getting it all ready from the whole process, and then getting it as close to the list price as possible. I find that that is really great when you can price a house. If you say the house is worth 300 then it gets as close to 300 as possible, right? Instead of listing it really, really high and then having to drop and drop and drop and drop and drop. And drop. So for me, it's also the excitement of, yes, I got that right. You know, I was correct on that pricing. So it's kind of like a game against myself.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. The, so, um, I like that. so when someone wants to sell their home, they don't have to move out before they list it?
0: That is correct. Uh, they can stay into the home. They can stay until the day of closing. You know, a lot of times... Um, you know, you close on one house at nine in the morning, let's say you can close at your next house at 11, but there are times where you're closing your one house at nine and maybe you're not ready to close on your next one until three or four. So where do you go? What do you do? That is a issue that people have. So here at our office, we actually just took over a uh, an apartment downstairs from our building and we set that up so you have a place to put your pets or you can put oh, wow. some stuff that are is you know your possession so that will be your house for the day until you close and if for some reason your closing doesn't go through for financing reasons or for whatever else you're welcome to use the place for the night so we did just open that that's officially open
1: wow congratulations and what a huge value add yeah
0: It's a great thing because, I mean, you do real estate law. A lot of times things happen and then they don't have a place to go or they have two dogs and a cat and they have to be out at seven o'clock in the morning, but their next closing is not till three. What are they doing with their pets? They can bring them to our office and they have their own little space.
1: Wow, that's really phenomenal. Yeah, I think we're actually the
0: only real estate company that has that.
1: I was going to say, I've never heard of that, but you're a bit of an animal lover from what I've heard.
0: I am. We do. We do a lot of dog events here. I have three dogs myself, big dogs. Uh, they outweigh me. Uh, I have <laughs> golden doodles, Elton John, and Billy Joel, and then I have a sixteen-year-old shepherd lab. So, I am a dog lover.
1: <laughs> but um, wow, that's that's so that's really awesome how you've integrated your your love of pets and dogs, but also created a huge opportunity for clients for one of the most stressful situations they they face Mm -hmm. where you got the, you know, the moving truck and the title company parking lot.
0: We have all of that. And then on top of that, we also have a free personal concierge service. So what that means is you have your gas, electric cable, water, trash, all of that. And it takes a long time to cancel those and then set them up at your new place. Well, we have a company that we hire for you. We take care of that and they move all of those for you. So you can close on your house and don't have to worry about your utilities. And when you get to your new house or already on in your name, all set up for you.
1: Wow. You're really focused on making this process as seamless as possible.
0: Yes. Because it's a very stressful process. I mean, some people have lived in their house for 30 years. They have all of these things they have to pack. I mean, when you work with us, we give you vendors we will help arrange for pickups of items for furniture, the, you know, we we have partnerships with the Epilepsy Foundation, they'll come and pick up their stuff. It's all about what we can do to make this as easy as possible for the clients.
1: Wow. Tell me a little bit about the Epilepsy Foundation, how that works.
0: So, I got involved with the Epilepsy Foundation several years ago. Both my children have epilepsy. Luckily, they're both in, I have it under controlled. Um, my younger son still takes medication for it. And so, the Epilepsy Foundation is great at coming to your home, picking up any of the items, and then they get them, they sell them, and then all of those proceeds go for the epilepsy research or for housing for children who have epilepsy issues and for doctors. And so it's a great thing that's near and dear to my heart. And they're wonderful here. We did a couple of neighborhood garage sales and they were so wonderful. Everybody who participated in the garage sale, they went door to door and picked up anything that they had left. So they didn't even have to worry about that. So it's a great organization.
1: Wow. A great cause, a great Mm -hmm. organization. And once again, a great service for clients. That's, That's really inspirational. Thanks. So, can you tell us any situations where a family or a client had some difficult times due to a lack of planning with real estate?
0: Oh, I mean, where do you begin? We've had a lot of people. what i one of the most common things that we see is that people procrastinate on the packing. Um, they think that, oh, I can pack my house up in a week or two and I don't have to worry about it. So one of the things that I always tell my clients in the first initial meeting is start packing now, right? You're now thinking of moving. And before you even sign the paperwork to list with an agent, you should be packing. Um, The best place to start would be in the kitchen area, because usually you have tons of cabinets and you have stuff in there you've not used in a year. Um, I always say how many of us have gone into their kitchen, opened up their cabinet. I didn't even know you had all those bowls. Right. And so you just say, what are you going to use in the next three months? Anything that you're going to use in the next three months, you can keep anything you haven't touched in three months should start to be packed or purged. And so we want to guide them. But that's been one of the biggest issues is people are just throwing things in boxes the night before, or they're saying, I'm not going to be able to be out in time. I, you know, my walkthroughs at 8 a.m., but we still have tons of stuff to, to get out. So those are usually the biggest issues.
1: And it sounds like we've already talked a lot about a lot of the solutions you have readily available. You try to avoid those situations through education, but if someone ends up in a pinch, you have the. Um,
0: yeah, we have resources and we have abilities to be able to help. I mean, it's been to the point, One of our houses, we had a, a close to a million dollar house where the sellers were out of um, state and um, they had a property manager taking care of the property and they were supposed to have everything out. It was Mother's Day, actually Mother's Day. And we went there and found out that most of the stuff that they were supposed to get out was still there. And the closing was that Monday. So on Mother's Day, we were out there posting photos, saying free, getting it out of the house. And I mean, you got to do what you got to do, unfortunately. So that's a big issue is getting the stuff out of the house. You cannot leave your property or your junk for somebody else to take over.
1: And it sounds like another value add of having your whole team. It sounds like in that situation you mobilize the team, the resources, mm-hmm. and so versus versus um, an agent who's just listing it and leaving it. Correct. Having a whole team mobilized when you hit one of these speed bumps.
0: Right. And we try to avoid it so that people don't get caught in that. So we talk to you weekly. We want to know where you're at in the house. We'll do the drop-bys. We'll say, hey, can we come over and see where you're at? The progress. Be able to offer solutions so that we're not in the ninth hour trying to figure out what we're going to do. We usually have an idea of how things are going with that particular client.
1: So who would be an ideal client or referral for you to work with?
0: Um, anybody who's looking to buy or sell, um, one of the things that we like to do is we want to be able to tell people how to get their house ready even months before they're ready uh, to sell. So having somebody um, call us and say, hey, what do I need to do to get my house ready to sell in the spring? Um, those people are the ones who can usually take some really great advice and take those minor changes somebody who is uh, wanting to hire the professional and then let the professional do it, as opposed to, I'm sure you've had that experience where somebody wants to sell their house. They want your expertise, but they want you to tell, they want to tell you how they want to do it. So, you know, being able to um, have somebody trust in my expertise, been doing it, you know, we have sold, you know, over 500 homes in the last four years and, um you know we just um we know how to price it and we know how to sell it so we want to make sure and we also want to make sure that you trust us and how we want to tell you how to uh, what opening bid to go into a house you know we have people who say oh i want to buy this house it's listed at 290 let's go in at 240 and let's see what they think well how are you going to feel if somebody came to you 50,000 under asking price so we want them to understand how even that is an insult and that could set the tone for negotiations. So, so, you guess- help,
1: so you help your clients navigate not just the marketplace, but also through the experience, a lot of the social or emotional dynamics that, mm-hmm. well, that I know is mm-hmm. <laughs> really come into play. But that that seems to be a critical element of both pricing and offering the whole- Correct.
0: Correct. And it's education. The number one thing that anybody needs to do in selling a house is be educated on the whole process from beginning to the end. What it means every step of the way, understanding loan disclosures, understanding disclosures, understanding the negotiation process, understanding title commitment, why there's an importance to have an attorney on there. A lot of times people are like, oh, we don't need an attorney. I mean, we strongly suggest you wouldn't go into a huge contract, right, if you didn't have an attorney look at it. This is the number one important sale you're going to do. And we want to make sure that you are protected so that you don't have to worry about anything years later.
1: So we we went over this a couple of times, but I want to highlight this point. The So when someone is thinking about selling their home do they need to get it perfect and do all the home improvement projects they've always wanted to do before they talk to a realtor? No,
0: no. And it's, you know, I just, I differ from a lot of other agents in the way that I discuss this. I don't believe in putting any financial cost into repairs or upgrades, unless you're going to get three times that money back. Right. So if somebody has, Uh, you know, gray walls or uh, dark brown walls. And they're like, well, before I list, I have to paint the house. My response is, let me come out there and look at it first, because it could cost you $5,000 to paint your house. Is that going to get you $5,000 back? Or did you just get the same price, whether you had the brown walls or not the brown walls, and you just lost $5,000? So people's perceptions of what needs to be done is different also based on what the market time is, right? If we're in a shortage of homes, then you don't really have to do very much to your house. You can offer credits or whatnot, but don't put money into a home because you don't even know if people are gonna want your upgrades. If I've had people who are like, well, I have to get the carpeting replaced before um you come and list my house. My response would be, are you already know who the buyer is and do they want carpeting? Do they want LVP? Do they want hardwood floors? Do they want tile? You don't know what they're doing. How about you can offer the, the flooring credit and let them pick the flooring that they want for their new house? And so you just have to navigate that and understand that it's what you may think needs to be done isn't really what's going to be financially beneficial for you when selling your home.
1: And I, and I think that really highlights the difference between a trusted advisor with a team Versus someone who's just putting it on the internet. Correct. So do you think the real estate associations do enough training and um, education on subjects relating to real estate or transfers
0: or stuff like that? Well, that's a tricky question. I think that the real estate associations give you great uh, information and education on laws and rules and what you can and cannot do, but there's not a lot of hands-on experience with what to do once you became a licensed realtor, right? They don't give you the training on how you walk through a house, uh, how to negotiate pricing, how to write a contract. They give you a step-by-step class on how you can fill out the contract, but they don't explain to you all about the nuances of what you need to do. Um, It's actually one of the things that I like to do is I mentor a lot of agents, whether they're on my team, not on my team, with my brokerage, not on my brokerage. I want people to understand the correct way to price a house and to represent the clients. There isn't a class that does that. And so I think that that, in my opinion, should be a requirement before realtors become real estate agents, Uh, walk through a house, do a listing presentation, do a buyer's presentation, learn those nuances. Otherwise, they're just learning. It's almost like a doctor getting their doctor degree, but never working with the patient. It just, I think that that could use some improvement.
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. What was a time when completing business, or in the industry, we'll say closing a deal with someone, was one of your one of your greatest experiences or victories?
0: I would say probably one of my uh, second year in real estate. I had a, a woman who wanted to leave her husband. It was an abusive relationship, and she was working part time. And didn't think that she could afford to buy a house by herself. And I connected her with one of my trusted loan officers who actually gave her a plan that within, I think, less than four months time, she was able to qualify for a loan by a few adjustments that she had done. And she was able to get a condo for her and her child and feel the independence because she felt trapped in her marriage. And so, once she understood that she could get her loan, uh, it gave her the confidence to make the decision to leave her abusive relationship. And it worked out great. She was, I think, she bought and sold within seven weeks and closed. And uh, has then gone on, and now she has taken the medical exam and she's actually doing um, therapy and she's a therapist, and it's great. I think it's wonderful. And she helps other children, uh, other women of domestic abuse. So that was probably my biggest one that I think was really cool.
1: Uh, Yeah. Wow. It's just. Mm -hmm. I bet you, I bet you you could take up a couple hours talking about the stories of the.
0: Oh, there's so many stories. I mean, I've had, we've had weird stories. We have had weird things. I probably have had more experiences with selling houses that were haunted or selling houses where people had passed away. Or one of my craziest stories is I had a client that had a house that she was trying to sell, because she had foster children and she wanted to give foster children the money and she needed to sell the house. And she had a couple of other realtors. They couldn't get it done. And we did a few things to the house. We got the house sold. And the day that we got it sold, she, I, she had to actually come to my house my my own personal house to sign the contract she came to my house she sat in my living room and was just glowing about how excited she was that she'd been just wanting this she wanted to move but most importantly she really wanted to give this money to those foster children so that they could buy some houses and she said I'm going to go. You can't tell you the relief you've given me. Mm -hmm. I worry every night. I'm going to go home. I'm going to sleep like a baby. And I'm super excited. So she signed the contract. She went home. She passed away in her sleep that night. It was the craziest thing I had ever experienced. And because she had already signed the contract, the transaction was still able to go through and her children were able to get the money that they needed for, I can't remember what it was for, but it was the craziest thing I had ever experienced. It was wow. so crazy, but still yeah. closed. And she, I mean, and her family was like, she was so happy. She was, she died happy. You gave her the best gift. I was like, okay. But so that's one of my weirder stories. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. I would say the immeasurable relief and just, yes. uh, Knowing you have the right team in place. Wow.
0: It's really crazy. So we've had a lot of weird things happen.
1: Any any funny stories come to mind?
0: Well, we had a haunted house that I Ooh. swear was haunted. Uh, it was a house in Crystal Lake that was um, built in the, I think, late 1800s. And uh, some friends of mine had bought it. And then they wanted to sell it. They were getting a divorce and they wanted to sell it. And we had gone to the house and there was a rumor that it was haunted and they had said it was haunted, but you know, we didn't believe them. And we had gone to this open house and um a cabinet was open in the kitchen that was definitely not open. When we got there, we closed the cabinet and then somebody was by the front door. We heard the screen door close, but there was mm-hmm. nobody at the front door. We went to go look at the front door. We came back and the, Another cabinet door was open oh. and we were like, okay, this house is crazy haunted. Uh, two of the agents left, but it turned out that the house was originally built in the 1800s and then it was moved. It was a, a pastor's house and the pastor had actually taken the house and moved it to this new location. And it was like in the paper that this house had been haunted and that for like several people had said it was a haunted house. So that was really scary. And then um, we advertised it as you know spiritual house, and somebody bought it because they wanted a house that was haunted. <laughs> it was really funny. Wow! It's, really funny. it's on walk up. That's all I'll tell you. You'll find it, I'm sure.
1: <laughs> that is really cool. How you turn that potentially potential negative mm-hmm. into a positive?
0: You got to be creative. And- right? There's a house out there for everybody. Everybody has their own little things. So you never know what you find. You go through a house and we can immediately tell you if a buyer's going to like it or not. And if there, if it's an eccentric house, you got to find that eccentric buyer.
1: So a lot of it is, so there's a lot more to it than just putting stuff online. It's about connecting these things.
0: Yes. Anybody who thinks that selling a house is literally just putting it in the MLS. And I'm not going to say that that doesn't happen. I, I would be lying to you if I didn't say that sometimes uh, that you can put, you know, just put a house in the MLS and the house will sell. It will, it will, especially depending if there's a market, right. If there's a shortage, like, you know, during COVID there couldn't keep the houses on the market, you would put a house on the market and it would sell. So I would be lying if I didn't say sometimes it's as easy as doing that, but Normally it's a whole plan. It's weeks of prepping for the house. It's getting the house ready. It's advertising the house. It's networking the house. It's showcasing the house. It's all of that. And having buyers that you call um, and saying, Hey, we found a house for you. Um, You know, we also do the opposite. We have clients who are looking for a needle in a haystack, right? They want a specific neighborhood. It has to be a specific house. It has to have these and we're not moving. And we've had a client that's taken two years to find their their house, but we then go into those neighborhoods and we contact those houses and ask if they will ever want to sell. We send postcards to those houses. We cold call those houses. So we we will have to find that house. It may not be on the market, but we'll try to find one. And so it's more than just matching people, it's looking for those matches.
1: Wow, that's that's a really great point about both having an arsenal of people that are looking for things that aren't necessarily really actively looking and then on the other side, really helping people find that needle in the haystack. Right. Or like we were talking about with the haunted house, saying this is the needle. Yes. If you're looking for this, this is your house. Yep. And I think that's, that's a very under-acknowledged aspect of the art of being a realtor. Right. And
0: understanding when you're at that initial appointment with the listing is going and looking at the house and understanding that house so that you know everything about that house to sell that house as if it was your house. Right. You have to know the house. You have to know the people. You have to know what they loved about the house. What set their house? Why did they fall in love with the house? And then utilize their words for their description because they know the house best. They lived in it.
1: So what type of marketing sources do you provide to create awareness for a property you're marketing?
0: Well, our marketing strategy is pretty unique. We have um, some ownership in the McHenry Outdoor Theater, so we like to show our houses on the big screen. Um, We have a digital kiosk outside of our office that shows our listings, plus we have the LED lights that show it up. We have a professional marketing company that does all of our social media. So we are across all social media. Um, We do videos, we do um, posts, we do canvassing. Um, So we are, I mean, I think one of the things we do best is our social media. And it's important to always have those houses in the forefront and getting them out there. I don't believe in... Postcards, you know, like, oh, just listed or just sold. I personally have never called anybody off of a billboard or called anybody off of a postcard. I know that does work for some people. But for me, I want to show everybody the expertise that we have by actually being out in the community personally, as opposed to, you know, putting it on on a flyer. Um, But it's educating and, and talking to people about the houses uh, constantly networking and you never know who knows somebody who who's looking for that particular house. So networking, uh social media and advertising is really the key to it. It sounds like you you have a lot of
1: connections to the community, but you kind of customize a plan for each homeowner. Mm-hmm. And it's not just a cookie cutter approach where you fire out a hundred postcards, throw something on the internet and say it's listed.
0: Right. Some houses get video tours, some houses get aerials, some people get special brochures. If we do a waterfront property, then we're going to be advertising to marinas. You know, we one time had a house that had a quarry that you couldn't use the, the lake except for water skiing. And so we advertised it to all of the national water skiing uh, places. So you just got to learn to know what the house has and then find those people that will get to those houses.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's a really awesome service. Liam, what type of resources can you provide to someone who's looking for their next home?
0: Well, we work with some lenders, so we would connect them with some lenders. Um, we have great partnerships uh, with the home inspectors, Um, We use the multiple listing. We encourage people. The number one thing we suggest is, do you know where you want to live? Right. People say, oh, I want to live in Crystal Lake. I want to live in McHenry, Barrington, wherever. Do you know what neighborhood? Oh, not really. Drive around the neighborhood. Go around. Look at the places. Do you want to be by this side of town, this side of town? It not only will it help them narrow the areas they want to be, but it actually helps us not have to go to neighborhoods and areas that they're not even interested in. Right. So we thoroughly encourage people to go get to know the areas that they want to be in and then tell us where you want to be and then let us focus on those areas for you. So, you know, that we put everybody on searches and ultimately getting to know the client. I think when you know the client, you know exactly what they're looking for. So we get to know our clients in a really personal, deep level.
1: That's that's huge. And that's, that's so it's a lot more, it's not a transactional relationship at all in no. terms of helping someone find a home.
0: No, I actually became an ordained minister to marry clients. I actually became such close friends with clients that they asked me to marry them. And I became an ordained minister and married them.
1: That is fantastic. I yeah. didn't know that.
0: Yes, the, I actually um, have married two of my clients so far.
1: That is awesome. But yeah. it just goes to show how how much there is to this and how personal a home is. Yes.
0: yes, it's very personal. And we like to keep track of our clients and see where they're at. We have clients that we met them um, and they were selling their townhouse. Uh, they were pregnant when we met them. And they needed to move because they were outgrowing this small townhouse. They wanted a bigger house. We ended up finding them their house. Um, In the process, they unfortunately lost the baby. We became even closer to them. We were helping them through the process. I mean, it was super sad. And they ended up closing on the house. They've since had a baby. They come to all of our events we are in love with the baby. We get to see the baby, you know, they bring them in all the time. So you just get really to know your clients and get to grow with them. I mean, we help them. And now that house is, you know, went from sadness to now they have a baby and they're going to have another baby. And we want to know how it goes throughout the years. I want to see how the baby goes. I want to know how many kids they have. And so we, we have a lot of events to keep in connection with our clients. So that's really what we like to do.
1: The phrase trusted advisor is used often, something a lot of us professionals aspire to be. What is What does a trusted advisor mean to you in terms of real estate?
0: Um, I think a trusted advisor would be somebody who's not in it just to focus on what they're going to make out of it, but to focus on how we can support the clients through the beginning, through the end, and then even for years afterwards, right? I strive to be a trusted resource for my clients, And that's why I surround myself with the best of the best in the industry, right? The best of the attorneys, the best home inspectors, the best movers, the best financial advisors, anything that they could use. I want to be that trusted advisor for them so that when I give them a referral or they call and ask me, who do you know that they trust that I'm going to give them somebody who has the same core values and beliefs that I do. And that is really important to me and i think in in order to become somebody's trusted advisor you need to really prove that the people you surround yourself speak the same as you
1: that's really amazing don how can people find you
0: So we're pretty easy to find. They can call me at 847-456-6334. I suggest they follow us on Facebook. We're the Bremer Team Keller Williams Success. We have tons of events, tons of free giveaways, and tons of uh, contests. Um, And of course, our website, which is bremerteam.com.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Dawn. And to all the listeners, thank you for listening. This has been the Legacy Leaders Podcast with your guest host, Adam Diamond. And my guest today, Dawn Bremmer, for more information on her team, you can visit her website and we'll provide links for all this in the show notes. Thanks again, Dawn, for joining me.
0: Thanks, Adam. You've been listening to the Legacy Leaders Podcast with Katie Beth Hand and Stan Miller. For more information on them and the show, please visit PinnacleLegacyLaw.com. If you like what you've learned today, do share the program with your friends and subscribe wherever podcasts are found.